0: From WXXI News, this is Connections. I'm Evan Dawson. Our connection for this hour was made in April in the state of Arizona. A new survey found that there were exactly 1,941 teaching jobs open for the coming school year. And how about this? Most school districts reported they're having a hard time getting applicants for those teaching jobs. Now, maybe the reason is money. The Arizona School Personnel Administrators Association says that they can't recruit new teachers because Arizona pays teachers so poorly. The state ranks dead last for elementary teacher pay with a median salary of just less than $41,000 and 48th in high school teacher salary but at least there are jobs and in parts of this country newly minted teachers can find work pretty easily But what about here in the Rochester and Finger Lakes region? If new graduates want to teach here, can they find openings? This is the first in a series of conversations with new graduates about their job searches. We're looking at the field of education this hour. and Let me go ahead and welcome our guests in studio. Danielle Maxwell is a 2017 graduate of the College of Brockport and a soon-to-be teacher in Arizona. Congratulations to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Also here is James Flagler, a 2017 graduate of St. John Fisher College and a, right now, substitute teaching at school for is that right? Yes. And we'll talk about your path there as well. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. Uh, Listeners, this is a good opportunity if you know Uh, You know, sort of newly minted teachers this year, maybe last year. We've already heard from a number of you via email and via social media. We'll get some of your comments in. But if you want to call the program and talk about your experiences, especially in the field of teaching, 844-295-TALK. Parents, do you have some stories to tell about your kids looking for work? 844-295-8255 or 263-WXXI if you're in Rochester, 263-9994. James, you grew up in central New York around Verona. Which everyone knows for the casino, right?
1: Yep, yep. Okay, so
0: east of Syracuse.
1: Yep, just east of Syracuse, right in between Syracuse and Utica, a very rural town. Small town? Yep. Okay,
0: and uh, so you came to, to Fisher and for the teaching program, you wanted to be a teacher, or did you switch
1: over? I actually switched my freshman year. Um, I originally went to Fisher as undecided. Um, I got recruited as a member of the football team, and I didn't really like what I was doing in school. Uh, it wasn't rewarding, and... I thought about this thing, education, and um, from there, you know, they say it's history. And it kind of just, it really rolled into something I found I was very passionate about and I really loved to do. And I have family in the profession in the area, and they helped me transition and, and find my way and find that this was something that I really wanted to pursue and uh, dedicate most of my life to.
0: Okay, and Danielle, you grew up uh, in the Rochester area, went to Gates Chaiwai, is that right? Yes. And uh, did you go to the College of Brockport knowing you wanted to be a teacher?
2: Um, I actually did. It's something that my family has done for a very long time. I come from a long line of teachers, so it kind of just seemed natural to go into the teaching field. And, you know, it's one of those things that as soon as I started, I knew immediately that this is it, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life.
0: Danielle is, is an example, if you heard our, our series in December on the lack of diversity in teaching, one of the things we talked about was where teachers want to work. And uh, most teachers, most, but not all obviously, would like to work in a district similar to the district that they grew up in, if not the district they grew up in, and they'd like to work within 15 miles of home. Danielle's different. Danielle is someone who said, I'll move. So you kind of had an advantage over your peers. Was it ever a concern to you over the last four years especially that you wouldn't be able to find work?
2: Um, it never really was a concern. I feel that you have to be flexible when you look for a job. And since I wanted to move, I figured, you know, the world is my oyster.
0: You, so, you wanted to move. Yes. You wanted to go south.
2: Yes. Somewhere warmer. Chill. Yes.
0: Okay. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But for you, the idea of maybe not finding work, probably because of that flexibility, wasn't a concern. No, it okay. wasn't. James, when you got into the teaching field and into the program a few years ago now, were you thinking, well... Something close to home in Verona? Something in the Rochester area? Where were you thinking ideally you'd want to
1: work? At? I mean, when I first started, my dream was to go back to where I went to high school and teach social studies. That's what everybody
0: and, wants to do, right? Yeah. Not everybody. Danielle's sort of the outlier, but teachers want to do this. And,
1: yeah. and you, if you asked me um, five months ago, I would have said the same exact thing. Um, okay. But I had a great student teaching experience in the Rochester City School District, and it opened my eyes up to more opportunities to, to really impact kids. And from there on, it it completely switched my mindset. It was something that I, I felt that I had to do. I, I would have been missing out on something if I went home.
0: Okay. All right. And by the way, if you really were determined to get back to you know, your home district in rural central New York, could you have done it right out of school?
1: Yeah. There, there was a position that uh, I was urged to apply for by the principal. Um, so you never know if that's a for sure thing, but... Um, there was some writing on the wall that that was uh, a very strong possibility. Um, and I actually had to call her a few few weeks ago and tell her that I was going to stay out here.
0: Stay in the Rochester City School District. Yep. Good for you, by the way. And so, um, one of the themes this hour, as we talk to our panelists, is, is the idea of why they want to teach, where they are teaching. You know, we mentioned Danielle's going to be moving to Arizona. And you're going to be teaching in in what kind of a district? Tell us about that.
2: Um, I'm teaching in a Title I district, so a lot of those students get free or reduced lunches. And um, there's a lot of poverty. There's a lot of violence in that area. And it's just something that doesn't deter me. Um, It actually drew me to it because I figure, you know, those are the kids that I want to teach. I want to teach the kids who, who need me.
0: All right. Well, I, I admire both of you for that, and we'll, we'll explore more of that. Let me ask you how your, your classmates are doing. Uh, Danielle, how are your peers doing when it comes to finding work teaching, especially for those who want to stay in the local area here?
2: Um, a lot of them are actually struggling to find a job. It's a lot of, oh, I've applied pretty much everywhere. I haven't heard anything back. I feel that there's a lot of stress with that because you're trying to rush before the school year ends. So there's a lot of you know, negativity with that and a lot of negative feelings of not being able to find a job.
1: Hmm. What are you hearing, James? So I'm hearing at first um, it's a lot of the same, Um, not hearing back. But the longer and longer it has been since they put the applications in, they're hearing more and more back. Um, An example, one of my friends has heard back from seven school districts in the area in the last two weeks having interviews all over the Rochester area and back at home in central New York Um, it's a
0: lot of interviews it doesn't mean job offers right
1: it doesn't it doesn't but it all you can really ask for is a foot in the door Mm -hmm. from that point you have to present yourself as someone that is an asset to that school district Um, and that's another thing I find um, some of the people are not presenting themselves in the right way a lot of people graduate and think I'm a teacher now and this they think it's set at that point they don't understand that a lot of flexibility and lifelong learning is going to continue into your career. It's not, I have a job, here it is. It's, it's a continual process. That's the way I would describe it. And you have to emphasize that in your interview and when you're talking to people.
0: My assumption is that right now, if you're a newly minted teacher and you're willing to work in, say, the Rochester City School District, it's easier to find a job than if you say, well, I want to work in a Pittsburgh or Brighton. yes.
1: Yeah, I think that's a right assumption, okay. definitely.
0: Danielle? Yeah, I agree. Okay, and when it comes to the interviewing process, you know, seven interviews for for, for a friend of yours, it's great. I want to ask both of you your experience with this, and it's going to be a little different because, you know, James uh, kind of came into his path differently than Danielle. Um, but from what I can recall in the interviews we did last fall – a number of local districts, suburban districts, would tell us, you know, how many teachers did you hire in the last year? Some would say two, you know, total district-wide out of 400 positions. You know, that's how little turnover there can be. And when there's a teaching job open, several superintendents told me that they typically have roughly 150 to 300 applicants that come in via online, and then they narrow down to 20 for interviews, and then they kind of do a final two or three. So, Danielle, for you, you know, you let's kind of talk about your story here you were willing to move and your family was pretty determined that you were going to be well where did you think you were going to be a year ago
2: i thought i was going to be in florida why florida um my mom wants to move down there um you know it was kind of the assumption we're all gonna move to florida be a happy family and you know i thought so too i was like of course florida it's a great place it's warm and it quickly turned into maybe not Florida, maybe somewhere, you know, North, South Carolina, you know, maybe Texas. And then it changed into, you know, why not anywhere?
0: Okay. And I have read, and again, this is just my own perusal, but you'll probably know more than I would, that, yep, we talked about Arizona, where you're going. I've read North Carolina. There's a number of teaching jobs open. I don't know about Florida. What what were you finding out as you kind of looked into it?
2: Um, Florida is one of those it's kind of half and half Mm -hmm. in the sense that there are teaching jobs there but it's not necessarily that they're strapped for positions they don't really require people like Arizona does so I found that you know after all my interviews with Arizona then you know a month later, Florida started to call and, you know, oh, can we set up an interview? And by then, I had already accepted a position in Arizona. So they weren't as quick to get back to me. So, you know, it was the assumption that, oh, maybe they're not going to call. I think it's the waiting that stresses people out a lot. So it was definitely more so, oh, they actually did call, but it's just a matter of when.
0: Okay. So you started by thinking Florida, then your, your mind starts shifting to other states. What eventually took it to Arizona?
2: Um, My stepdad had, had actually lived there for a number of years, and he loved it, always talked about it, wanted to go back. And I said, well, why not me? You know, why should I just, you know, turn my nose up at Arizona? So then it turned into, you know, let's go through some interviews, see how it goes. You know, I did some research on the state, and I ended up falling in love with it.
0: I don't know anybody who doesn't love Arizona who's <laughs> been there, very honestly. So I'm not surprised about that. When the, By the time you get to kind of applying and doing the interviews, are you aware that there's a, a pretty significant teacher shortage there?
2: Yes. Uh, my mom had done plenty of research, you know, because her child's moving across the state. She's told me, you know, there's this huge teacher shortage there. So, you know, that's kind of a red flag. And I said, you know, that might be true but i'm starting my career you know why why stop you know stop there you know just because there's a teacher shortage they need teachers i'm a new teacher that's a perfect place to start my career
0: okay so in other words if your mother's saying a red flag as in well maybe they don't pay teachers very well Uh, is that generally true what i read off the top there i mean they, they rank 50th in elementary teacher pay 48th in high school teacher salary is teacher pay
2: in arizona not very good um, it is low. I mean, I'm going to be making 35000 um starting, and, you know, that's kind of, you know, the median, but um, it's a start. So, I mean, I went into the profession not because I wanted the money. If I wanted the money, I would have done accounting. I would have done anything else but teaching. I'm there for the kids.
0: All right, so that $35,000 number to you, you can live with that for now? Yes. Okay. And when it came to the actual interviews... You know, maybe you think you got a leg up because this is a state that has a well publicized issue, but you still have to go through the interviews. And how did you do that? How did that actually unfold for you?
2: Um, so the interviews were phone and FaceTime interviews, which I, when at the beginning I found extremely awkward. Um, Why? Phone interviews, there's a lot, you can't see them. So there's a lot of pauses uh-huh. and, oh, were you going to say something? And it just, The whole thing is awkward because you're trying to be professional and show them the you know the kind of teacher that you are but it's hard when you can't see their face so when it came to some of the principals saying oh let's FaceTime I was I still thought that was a little awkward but it was better because I could hear and see who I was talking to
0: when they set those FaceTime interviews up with you did they tell you how long to expect the interview to be
2: um they did not okay
0: are you feeling pressure that this is my chance to make an impression You know, you got to kind of stick the landing here.
2: Yeah. I felt a lot of pressure because, you know, I mean, at any interview, you obviously, you know, you feel qualified. But to convince the person in front of you that you are qualified is a whole different ballgame.
0: How do you feel you did?
2: Um, I think I did pretty well. I mean, most of the interviews I had, I got callbacks for for positions.
0: For positions? Yes. So how quickly did you accept something in Arizona? I mean, were you kind of sifting through offers?
2: Um, I was. It was more so, you know, which school is the best fit for me. So I kind of, you know, I went on their websites before the interviews and I looked at them. And then after, you know, they offered me a position, I kind of looked again. You know, I took notes during the interviews to see, you know, what professional development do they have? You know, what kind of support am I going to get while I'm there? And then it kind of just went from there, which one was the best fit for me.
0: You chose a a Title I school, as you said, uh, mostly free and reduced lunch, a significant amount of poverty. Could you have gotten a job in Arizona in a, you know, for what we would say more suburban or, you know, maybe a, a school district with different financial circumstances?
2: I mean, I could have, but it never really crossed my mind to, you know apply anywhere else because I was kind of set in like the Glendale area. It was more so them calling me and I had applied in the Glendale area. So, I mean, it never dawned on me, oh, let's look at other schools that might be a little bit more affluent. I was set on, you know, during the interviews, I started falling in love with these schools and, you know, I went on their websites and, you know, the kids have these smiles on their faces and they're interacting with their teachers and it just, I was like, that's the environment that I want to be in.
0: And it rains like three times a year. Yes. It's really, it's, really, it's really great. Have you been out there yet, by the way?
2: I'm going in two weeks. But wait,
0: have you've never been to Arizona? I have not. You took a job in Arizona and you've never been there? Yep. What a world. <laughs> what a, and, but, you know, I mean, the, the FaceTime thing has changed things a lot. I, I wonder how, how different that is, you know. At the very least, you get a face-to-face yes. in, in, in sort of a manner of speaking. But that's exciting. So you'll move out there, you said, in July? Yes, I do. You ready for that?
2: I'm very much ready.
0: And, you know, I want to know what what would it have taken for you to to pursue a teaching position in the Rochester area?
2: I think it would have taken a lot of convincing because I've always been in that mindset that after college, I'm going to go. I want to see what there is to see. And Was
0: it a weather thing? Because climate change is like a thing.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, definitely the weather after, you know, the last few winters that we've had, it was more of I have to get out. Mm -hmm. I can't stand the cold anymore but it was more of you know after college that's your opportunity to see what there is to see you know I felt I was so afraid that if I stayed here and got a job it would just be like, oh, I'll move next year, and then next year would come and I wouldn't move. And then I'd feel like I would be stuck here and I would never have gotten the opportunity, and then there would have been all those what-if scenarios.
0: So, Danielle, as you said, you know, you're know, you starting for a state that that you know historically has not paid teachers very well, but you don't mind your starting salary of $35,000. You feel like it's fair. You're going to make a go of it. What are your peers who are working around here? Are they doing pretty decently with salary? Is it sort of a different story that you're hearing?
2: Um, I mean, I only have one friend currently, who's employed and um, she's making less than I am because she's at a private elementary school Mm. so she right now is trying to find a job because the pay is low and she can't afford to live off of it so it's I guess it depends on where you go honestly um, I find that a lot of people look up at the salary schedules before they apply to a position because you know it's all public knowledge so I think that's when people start to pick and choose where they want to work based off of the salary.
0: What would you tell somebody who's entering the field of education today, and it's got you know years of study ahead before they eventually enter a job market? What would your advice for them be?
2: Um, my advice would be to remind yourself why you went into teaching. I went into teaching because you know knowing that I could make a difference and just seeing the change in like the students. That's what I'm there for. I'm not there for the money. I mean, yes, money, you need money to survive, but at what, at what point? So just kind of reminding yourself why you went into the profession.
0: All right. James Flagler is a 2017 graduate of St. John Fisher College. And let's talk about your path. So as you said, you know, you know, even a year ago, you would have thought you want to go back, work in your home district in central New York. What started to change for you? How did you get these opportunities that led up to this career path for you, even before
1: graduation? So I would say, like, every time you were in a school, you're applying, you're interviewing. Um, some people think that's cliche, but in fact, that, that's the truth.
0: Like when you say in a school, when, you mean... When you're
1: doing your teaching observations, mm-hmm. when you're doing your student teaching, that, for me, was my ticket to becoming employed in the Rochester City School District. Um, it, was, it was challenging at times trying to be as involved as I could in the school community, Uh, doing those extra field trips. I just got back from a field trip in the Adirondacks this weekend. Um, But that was what made me stick out compared to other candidates, I think. Um, And I was able to really make like huge relationships with kids. Um, That was the the turning point for me going from thinking I would go home to saying I need to stay in the Rochester City School District because of the impact that I'm able to have on kids when i my last day of student teaching it was is emotional a little bit um i'm not gonna lie some tears were shed and some of the kids just wrote me cards and letters i had one girl write me a letter of recommendation about how i changed her life and at that point you could not pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars to go back home (laughs)
0: Are you, like, right out of Central Casting? Are you, like, a real person? <laughs> Let me tell you what Kate on Twitter says. Any school district would be lucky to have the two guests that are on your show today. They present themselves really well. Um, and and I joke, but honestly, how do you put a price on that kind of a response from a student, right? It's amazing.
1: You, you can't. And, and it wasn't that one time, either. It happens on a daily basis or weekly basis. and And it's frustrating at times. And as a teacher, you get get in your car after a long day where your lessons didn't go well and the kids weren't paying that that much attention. But every day when I got in my car, I sat down and I smiled. Like, I got to impact some kids today. I got to teach kids. And just another quick excerpt, I I had a girl who's a refugee. Um, She was on the the news program for WXXI um, last Thursday, and she was a Princeton Prize finalist for um, race relations, In the Rochester area, she won the Martin Luther King Jr. Award. And to see your kids, like, last Thursday I was watching the news program on my TV, and that's one of my students. Need to know, yep. And, like, that is not something you can get paid enough for. Um, I had another girl who failed her U.S. history regents the first time around and stayed after with me until 7 o'clock at night one night on a Friday. And we found out she passed, and walking down the hall the next week, she had her head down, she didn't think she did well, and you you tell her police you you passed you got a seventy six and just tears flowing and running into your arms and hugging you like there's there's no price you can put on that it's and that's something you need to understand going into teaching like it is a very undervalued profession, I would say um and probably less so in New York State than other places, but nationally education is undervalued and that's something going into it, you know. Financially, it's an undervalued uh, profession. But the the ways you get paid are incredible. You, you, there's no price tag you can really put on them.
0: And so I don't know. Look, Danielle is willing to open up the books and share. She's told us what she's going to make in her first year. Are you doing okay for yourself?
1: Um, so right now, I'm a per diem sub. Yeah. Um, so I interviewed at School 45. And um, tentatively, I will be hired next year as a social studies teacher in the middle school. Um, But they wanted me to come in for the rest of this year, and I'm working on a few projects in the school. I'm designing a student lounge for the middle school. Um, I'm writing some curriculum for next year, and I'm just getting to meet the kids. So a lot of the work I do, I just sit down in the cafeteria during the lunch periods, and I'll be working on whatever, and there'll be a kid sitting by themselves, and I'll go over – We have a few kids that are uh, refugee immigrants from the Middle East and recent arrivals, uh, don't have the English skills. Um, I downloaded an Arabic translator on my phone. So a kid that would usually be sitting in lunch by themselves, um, not having that social interaction with their peers, and I'm talking fourth graders, um, eighth graders, young kids that crave that social interaction to be able to, hey, he's my friend. Mr. Flagler will stop by and he'll he'll sit down and talk with me during lunch, even if it's over his phone. Um, it, it's cool to see a kid that just has a frown on their face all day because they can't communicate with anyone. And to see them light up when you type on your phone, how are you doing today? And it pops up in Arabic and they're able to read it. And then you're able to teach them some English and I've learned some Arabic from them. It, it's been cool. That's another thing. It's so rewarding it doesn't matter the pay um but the rochester city school district does compensate i mean compared to the rest of the market very well um i believe starting teacher salary is forty-seven thousand right now um and it depends on schools because some schools have extended day so um extended day schools you get paid a little extra um because of that extra work but uh In the Rochester City School District, I know that compensation for the work that you do is is pretty fair. And
0: it sounds like you're still not exactly positive that you're going to be there in the fall, or what's the plan?
1: Uh, I just don't want to be too presumptuous, um, but I I will be there in the fall. Um, It's just not official yet, because there's a whole process that the City School District has to go through with transfers and transfer requests and it's it's kind of complicated to someone that's not um really aware of the the situation in the school district um because there's so many schools positions get dropped and then rehired and it's very confusing but i i will be at school 45 in the fall yeah
0: okay and have you had anyone in your life family friends Peers in teaching programs, peers who are not in teaching programs, say to you, James, are you really sure you want to work in the city school district? You know They have, diff- they have different challenges. Obviously, there's more poverty. Um, have you encountered anybody pushing back on this?
1: I would say peers more so than family. Um, I have a brother that teaches in the city school district at East High. I have a sister-in-law that taught in the city school district for seven years and now is an administrator in Greece. And they understand um the challenges but the rewards that come with working in the city school district but there has been peers like you tell them that you got a job teaching in the inner city um in rochester and they look at you like what are you doing and i i tell people like that how how often have you interacted with kids in the city how often have you been able to experience some of the experiences that i've been able to experience how many of those type of kids do you know um, because I have found in my interaction with those kids is that they are some of the most tremendously strong and talented kids that I have ever met. Um, we just had a talent show today at school 45. This is like my extended lunch. Uh, the <laughs> principal let me on. <laughs> Do they my know you're here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, and we had a talent show. We had a kid playing the drums to Bruno Mars and a Bruno might need an extra drummer. This kid is in sixth grade, and he played one of Bruno Mars's songs on the drums to a T. Had another kid dance into Michael Jackson. Uh, just some of the talents that that are in kids, and they're not always like very publicized. Because so often you hear, well, they're, they're not doing well on their English proficiency exams or their math exams, and you hear all that, and you forget that they're kids that have talents, and... Have passions and they're very driven, and it's it's cool when you're able to facilitate them being able to get to that, because in in the city school district they do encounter a lot of a lot more challenges and trauma than say a kid in suburban areas do, and what I say to that is a lot of kids put up a front because they have to put up a front. Um, imagine walking down. Uh, the street at nine o'clock at night in the city. You have to put up a front if you want if you want to get home. Sometimes, but when you break that front and when a kid takes it down, that is just an incredible experience because you realize they're kids. They're kids that are craving attention. They're craving attention from their parents. They're they're craving acceptance from their peers, just like every other kid. But sometimes it takes more time and patience to break that that front because they have to put it on every day
0: and so when you talk to your peers who occasionally say you know you sure you want to work in the city and and I think you're right I don't think this is an indictment of your friends this is just a reflection on society a lot of people who grow up with pretty good means don't interact with people in different circumstances and they they have assumptions sometimes those assumptions are drawn from you know Commercial news, sometimes they're drawn from fictionalized shows or whatever it is that they've got their assumptions from, but they might not have that experience. So when you at least tell them, look, I think what you're assuming is off here, and, and you start telling your experiences, does that soften them a little? Are they, are they keen on hearing more?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, good. Uh, it's cool because it's often, I think, sometimes prejudice and, uh, and stereotyping just comes from a lack of experience, but you got to be openness. You have to have some openness to that experience. Um, That's what I did. I wanted to uh, student teach in the city school district. Um, I had worked at School 58 where I student taught uh, prior to getting my placement there. And I knew the teacher I was going to work with. And I knew that I was going to have opportunities to really make impacts and i have pictures videos um some of the stuff the kids made for me and i show my peers that and and it really softens them up and actually my roommate um is going to student teach with the guy i student taught with at 58 because of it and i i think he might have had that same view as many people do about city schools going into it and after he saw the experience that i had and and all the great things that i was able to to do with kids and accomplish Um, It changed his mind and he's going to student teach with the same person in the same school.
0: Very cool. Let's get our only break of the hour. I see the phone ringing, and if uh, listeners, you want to call the program, we'd love to hear from you on what you're hearing from our guests. Or if you've got questions or comments on just the teaching job market in Western New York in general, uh, you can call the program. It's toll free 844 295 TALK, 844 295 8255, or 263 WXXI if you're in Rochester, 263 9994. This is the first in our series of conversations with recent college graduates. We hope to have several more in the weeks to come. And we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear if you know recent college graduates in just about any field, and they don't have to be finding work easily. You know, We want to hear from people who are in any position, struggling to find work, finding work, staying in western New York, forced to leave. Whatever the case may be, we'd love to hear from you because we want to have panels that are like the people you're hearing today, just giving you real experiences of what is out there, what they're experiencing, and the choices they're making. So you can contact me, you can email me, edawson at WXXI.org. Find us on Twitter at Evan Dawson or producer Megan Mack at Emma Mack Media. But again, we want to tell these authentic stories of recent graduates and what they are experiencing in the job market, especially here in Western New York. You just heard James Flagler, who is a 2017 graduate of St. John Fisher College, And teaching at School 45, Danielle Maxwell, 2017 graduate of the College at Brockport, and a soon-to-be teacher in Arizona, a state she's never been to but can't wait to get to. We'll get to your comments after our only break of the hour. Coming up in our second hour, bringing more diversity to the classical music field. Been a lot of efforts over the years to diversify programs, to bring more of the music to people in diverse locations, not just stodgy concert halls but for all of the efforts we still don't see a lot of diversity especially when it comes to african-americans and latinos on stage and in audiences the gateways music festival is coming back to rochester we'll talk about all of that next hour welcome back to connections i'm evan dawson to the phones we go and this is owen in gates go ahead owen
3: hi evan how you doing today
0: good go ahead owen hey how are you I'm sorry, Owen. Go ahead one more time. Hey,
3: uh, thanks for having me on. I just wanted to comment that the guest you have on today is a refreshing point of view to hear someone interacting with kids who are eager to have some help in school and that they really want to do well in the city. And I think it's not often portrayed that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, are you encouraged to call because, uh, I mean, are you you know sort of living in the local area? Are you just kind of looking at the situation? Did you grow up in the city?
3: Uh, no, I've, I've had a lot of friends who are in the city, uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, and my kids are going to elementary and middle school in Brighton, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, my kids get a lot of one-on-one attention, and they seem to be really fueled in positive ways to really... Excel in all the ways that they're unique, you know, whether it's dancing or art, um, creating things, you know, even working with machines and robots. Um, And I don't know if all of that fuel and attention is being put into kids in the city schools, but your guest today seems to really have an idea of some of those things that really um, helps
1: fuel the kid to want to do well.
0: Yeah, Owen, oh, I couldn't agree more. Thank you for the phone call, uh, James. What do What do you make of that?
1: So I would say, like, there is like a, um inequity in resources. Um, the city school district, um, as a whole, sometimes doesn't have the same resources that, say, a Brighton does, and that's leaving some opportunities out for for those kids. Um, a lot of the activities while I was at Fifty Eight that we did were driven by donations. Um, we just went to the Adirondacks this past weekend, and most all of the funding for that trip, for the whole weekend trip up to the Adirondacks, 25 kids, was donations. And that's something that is a shame, you know, that you have to come to donations um, to ha- have kids be able to have those opportunities, where in other places those are kind of just built into the structure. Um, but it takes teachers that are willing to elicit those donations and organize funding. And that's, I got to shout out quick to Chris Widmeyer and Davin Reddington at school 58. Um, Those two guys are part of the reason that I'm here today and that I'm so passionate about what I'm doing. Those guys really work to organize events like this past weekend for kids. Um, But a lot of the time that's not, it's on the teachers at that point and it's it's tough when it's on the teachers when they're balancing so many other things say if you're coaching a sport while you're teaching and then you're trying to do that that you're balancing a lot of stuff and um, it's fortunate that there are teachers out there that are willing to do that
2: work
0: yeah. let me ask Daniel Maxwell you know what you thought hearing that that same phone call you're gonna be going out to Arizona but working in a district that has its own challenges how do you feel about that
2: um, I feel that I agree with James Is then the fact that there is a lack of funding. And going out to Arizona, I am aware of that lack of funding. So kind of going out there and, you know, knowing that I'm going to be a teacher and also have the opportunity to say, well, how can we change this? So, you know, donations, fundraising, you know, coming up with those ideas where how can we make classroom experience better how can we get them to have those opportunities outside of the classroom because you know more often than not they don't get those opportunities so kind of you know before i go out there you know i'm brainstorming what can we do so they you know are able to do those things that make their learning more engaging
0: okay well here's some uh, other questions and comments from listeners joe on twitter says um he says most millennials would kill for 35,000, by the way. Uh, and he says, I find schools will hire until tenure, but then drop the teacher and repeat the process. Danielle, any concern about that?
2: So, Arizona is a right to work state, yep. so we're not going to get tenure and you know going in knowing that it's you know once again that's not why i'm going into the field yes tenure is nice to have but at the same time i'm there for the kids i'm not there because i want tenure
0: and where you're going it's not a consideration right now anyway so what about you james
1: um i have not heard of that um at least in my i mean admittedly brief experience um I know my brother was able to secure tenure as a physical education teacher without a problem. Um, Yeah, that's not something I've heard of. Okay.
0: Uh, Let me grab an an email from, I believe this is from Carol, and... um Let's see here. Carol wants to know, she says, uh, I believe in New York State, college graduates in education are required to earn a master's within five years of graduating. And some students stay in college for a fifth year to fulfill that requirement. Others decide to graduate and fulfill that requirement while working. What did your guests decide to do? James, uh, what's the deal there?
1: I'm actually, so I'm going to do it while working. I'm going to start my job. I just finished my undergrad, graduated last Saturday. And... I am gonna start working and I'm gonna chip away at my master's at uh, SUNY Brockport a little at a time. How long
0: do you expect that to take?
1: Um, I'm gonna just take one class a semester, have it be manageable, and hopefully have it done in three and a half to four years. Okay. I not rushing.
0: Okay, Danielle.
2: Um, same as James, I'm you know gonna work. I've been looking at the ASU campus in Arizona, um, kind of seeing what they offer, and you know just kind of working and chipping away. Probably gonna be three to four years to take.
0: And you both knew that that's part of the part of the process. So that's gonna have to happen. Yes. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, before I get back to the phones, one more question that came from, again, our recent reporting series back in December, and that was the fact that when we talked to some local superintendents and some some retired superintendents, Bill Cal is an example of Fairport in the Rochester City School District. They're concerned that. The governor's rhetoric, Governor Cuomo and, and his staff in recent years, they kind of call it the teacher wars. They feel like teachers have been vilified, but they, they take it a step further. They believe that there are fewer teachers in certification programs because there's this idea that teachers are going to be vilified, that it's not a profession that's being respected, and that that's driving people out of it. James, do you agree with that?
1: I would. I would. I Going through the teaching certification process, as required by New York State, is very difficult. It's very laborious, and it's not easy. It's not something um, you look at and are excited about, that's for sure. Taking I've had to take six certification exams. Those all cost money out of my pocket. Um, and that's something that could definitely deter people from getting into the profession. However, that being said, the people that, like me and Danielle, from what I uh, have collected are in it for the right reasons go through that process. I think it's unfortunate that people have to go through that process and have it be so strenuous and uh, stressful. It's it's not something that's very user-friendly. Um, but the people that are in it for the right reasons go through that process. Um, I don't think it's fair, but I do think it's scaring some young people away from the, the profession because they hear the horror stories about ed tpa which is like a portfolio examination you have to do and just thinking about it seems overwhelming and it, it does scare some people away
0: okay danielle
2: i agree um you know the tests are really difficult and you know there's a lot that goes into it so you know if with your coursework you're writing you know three different lesson plans for three different classes that you have to take and then you know you know, you learn that you have to take all these certification exams and, you know, like James says, you have to take this EdTPA, which is an extremely stressful thing to go through. And, you know, there are times when you kind of question, you know, is this what I want to do? But then you remember, yes, it is because I went in it for the right reasons. And I think, you know, even though that deters some people, I think that you have to have a mindset where you know that you want to do it.
0: All right, let me get back to your phone calls. Melissa in Rochester next up. Go ahead, Melissa.
2: Hi, guys. Um, I am in, Can you hear me okay?
0: Yep, go ahead.
3: Okay. Um, I'm an early education teacher. I teach preschool. I'm um, actually right down the street from School 58. And um, our focus with young kids, you know, they're four turning five, and we're really focused on now uh, social and emotional education because those building blocks really help the kids. When they get into the later grades, you know, be able to socialize and interact with their peers in um, an appropriate way. And I was just wondering if your guest, who is currently teaching in the Rochester City School District, if he feels like that's something that he wishes was continued to be focused on in the later grades.
1: Thanks,
0: Melissa. Go ahead, James.
1: Absolutely. Um, it's it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, you have to feel safe. You have to feel welcome. You have to be fed before you can worry about learning about precalculus if you're hungry, if you don't feel accepted by your peers, if you can't interact with your peers in a way that's uh building rather than tearing down, uh there's no way you're gonna ever learn the content that that some of the the state wants people to learn. Um, you have to continue that that education and social emotional needs and and correct interactions um, and i think that's more important than some of the academic material kids at the higher level are involved with because um, that's that's what you're going to take with you out into life not all learning happens in the classroom Le- some of the learning happens outside of the classroom how you conduct yourself in public how you're able to speak to people and that's something that needs to be continued uh... uh me applying for a job it had nothing to do with how good my grades were at St. John Fisher. Um, I'm sure it was a little important that I passed, (laughs) but... um,
0: Don't you wish we could all go back and not stress about our GPAs? (laughs) I do. Oh, man. No, but I take the point. Go ahead.
1: But being able uh, to conduct myself and uh, talk to people and profess what I believe, um, that was more crucial than any exam i took in a history class looking at, at your
0: transcript right, right yeah yeah right, let me grab robert and fairport on the phone next up go ahead robert
1: yes uh thanks for taking my call um
4: it was raised a couple times uh by the uh by, by the people in your studio that uh we're not spending enough on schools and uh some of the spending is uh, just not up to snuff but i just think that's factually wrong uh there's plenty of articles that indicate otherwise so i'm looking at an article Published in June 2015 from the DNC that says uh, the Rochester City School District has the third highest spending of 217 districts around the country on a per capita per student basis. $20,333, and i got to believe that number is much higher since 2013. So it- I'm not sure that's the case. The other thing is that salary-wise, these kids weren't even born when uh, Rochester teachers... Uh, Salaries were adjusted up by 40% back in the 80s with uh, uh, I think that uh, there's only one person that the the union head uh, of the Rochester schools was uh, Adam Urbanski was around when that happened, but uh, they might not even realize that.
0: Well, Robert, real briefly, I just want to ask, I mean, I I understand what you're saying about the spending per capita, but certainly there are districts that have more of a need. You know, Rochester uh, has such issues with poverty, uh, kids lacking nutrition and lunch. I mean, a lot of what you spend, suburban districts don't have to spend on. But do you think that James is wrong to say, or Owen, the caller, is wrong to say that if you look at, say, Brighton and then Rochester, that Brighton has, uh, you know, sort of more of I would say it's not frills—that's the wrong word—but sort of extras, uh, more opportunities, more more money spent on things that kids in Rochester don't have. Do you disagree with that?
4: Stanford has better facilities than St. John Fisher, so you're going to see various disparities. I, I think that uh, I think the argument is a red herring.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, I I I appreciate that. I mean, and and thank you for the phone call as always, Robert. I think the issue is when districts like Rochester or you know where Danielle is going in, in Arizona some some districts have to spend more right up front just to help kids who don't have food at home don't have all kinds of basic needs don't are, are frankly maybe coming from a more dangerous situation that as, as a sort of a starting point affects things but James what else would you say to that
1: I mean our Our kids, especially in the Rochester City School District, a lot of them come in, they get breakfast, that's another expenditure, they get lunch, and they get snack in the afternoon because, like I said, you're never going to learn math if you're hungry, and so that's something that that's an extra expenditure that the Rochester City School District has to account for. Yeah, and
0: this is not at all to pick at Brighton. I mean, you no, know, not at the all. superintendent has been on the program many times and and I respect Brighton, but across the street from Brighton School District is a Starbucks and a Panera and, and often you will find Brighton students sort of hanging out there. In, in a lot of Rochester schools, that opportunity, that even availability, that that resource that just doesn't exist and therefore the city is spending more money to make sure kids literally have basic nutrition. Yep. Now, that's not the entire a- account of difference. And Robert, you know what? You've inspired me to sp- dig into this a little bit more. And I want to thank you for that phone call. Um, but I'd like to, to dig into it more before I sort of back up and, and say anything more on the subject. I take the point. some Real quick here, Danielle, we're down to our last 30 seconds or so. Are you an optimist that 10 years from now we're going to be talking and you're going to say, I love your Rochester, but I'm still in Arizona, still at the same school?
2: I do. I really think I do. Um, with having, you know, the children there, I mean, so much goes into it and I think I'm going to be so involved that it's going to be one of those things that, you know, I say, you know, I'm here to stay.
0: If I'm still doing the show in 10 years, will you come back and talk about what's changed and and where you are no matter where you are?
2: Yes, I will.
0: It is a date. You too, James, where (laughs) are you going to be in 10 years?
1: I'm plan on staying in the Rochester City School District. It's what I've dreamed about, and it's it's really cool to see my dreams kind of come to fruition. I'm really making an impact on kids, and that's what I want to do.
0: We heard from a number of people as well who just sort of relating their stories, not graduating this year, but last year, three years ago, really struggling to find work because they want to be in Monroe County or Western New York or the Finger Lakes area. And I know it can be a, a tough road, but uh, really inspiring stuff from both Daniel Maxwell, who's headed to Arizona to teach, James Flagler teaching in the Rochester city school district thank you and good luck to you both
1: thank you thank
0: you all right short break much more connections straight ahead